We are joined right now by an NB or a DraftKings analyst. He played his college ball at Notre Dame. He's co-host of the Gojo and Golick show with his father, Mike Golick, on the DraftKings Network. It's weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern time. He is also a college football game analyst for Learfield Sports. He worked previously for ESPN and ESPN Radio. He is Mike Golick, Jr. Mike, it is great to see you, dude. How are you feeling? Honored to be with you. Really excited and uh, really rolled out the red carpet here. You didn't have to do the whole fountain for me here. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, they did do that for you. That's not for me. Because that was not happening until you showed up. Look at that, man. We get the whole show. I love it. Listen, let me start off with this. You and I were talking off the air about how different the business is right now. What have the last few years been like for you personally since you bet on yourself and you left ESPN? Uh, it's been an exciting challenge. Uh, we all know a place like ESPN, you know, ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBCs, these titans of the industry that have been around for so long. There's a lot of security that comes with that. And for me, it was an exciting chance, first and foremost, you know, to be a part of where a lot of this is going. We've seen sports betting and the gambling side of this industry start to be more and more center stage. We're doing the Super Bowl in Vegas, for God's sake. And hey, can we stop on that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, it was not that long ago that it was so taboo. Oh. It was so taboo. Never mind there's a franchise here. Never mind that there is the actual game here. How wild is it that you and I sit here on the strip talking about the game that's going to be played here? Wasn't it Tony Romo that wasn't allowed to right. go and be at the fantasy football <laughs> convention or whatever it was? So it's nice that everybody sort of I don't know, looked around and realized, like, all right, we're not actually that far apart. It's just a different way to talk about the same thing that we've been discussing. we got a few different numbers. we got a few different terms we're still talking and analyzing ball the same way and so to get to try and be a part of that as it's on the way up to have this great creative platform here to get to do it with dad again he and I got to do the show together at ESPN for a little while and now you know weren't sure if we'd ever get that opportunity again and so them giving us that chance and being able to kind of help build this whole thing in a way that we think can be really successful and be a valuable part of what everyone's got going on and covering this great sport and all the sports. It's been a ton of fun. Michael Jr. joining me on the set here in Vegas. You mentioned your father. I had Kevin Kruger on the show to start the program. So we got into this notion of family business, right? Yeah. So his dad is a legendary coach. Your father, a legendary player. I work for my family business. My dad was a legend in his little family business. And then he fired my ass. I'm curious, what's it like <laughs> working with your dad? It could be the best thing ever or maybe not so. Hey, you know what? It really has been, and I think from my standpoint, especially being on air with Dad so much, when I was young and first getting into the industry and didn't know what I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know how when they talk about LeBron James playing with his teammates, and he goes around when he meets a new group of teammates, and he asks them, hey, where do you want the ball on this particular pass? Where do you want this for me to set you up for the right shot? I had someone who was on air with me who had literally wiped my butt at a different point in my life, knew me as well or better as anyone's going to know me, and could always set me up in the right way to be successful early on when I'm trying to do that. And so I got such a great foundation because of that. I got to pick his brain on a lot of that the same way I did when I was a high school football player and a college football player trying to figure out and navigate places that he had already been to. I had the perfect guide for that, and then when we got to start doing it with each other, I got to obviously be a little bit of a thorn in his side. You can't be the son on air with your dad and not needle him a little bit and think you know better. All right, so I'm curious, like, what, what's the dynamic like? Like, I have a son who's going to get into the business, and he very clear, he never tells anybody who his old man is because he doesn't want to be judged by that. He wants to be judged on his own merit, but also he knows at the same time that, hey, it can open a door or two. You'd be pretty foolish not to take advantage of it. It's one thing for your father to play in the NFL. It's another for you to have the 
same exact name as your yeah. father who played in the NFL. So was that the best thing ever growing up? Or at times, was that maybe not the best thing? Uh, you know what? I'd say the positives always far outweighed the negatives. And so much of that's a testament to what dad built for himself in this industry and his reputation and how well thought of he is that I got a lot of that carryover. Now, I also got, especially in early Twitter, a lot of people thinking I was him online. So when he would have a bad take, I would get cursed out in my mentions because of him. And we had to have a little bit of talk about him being smarter on air. But uh, no, in, in general, he's putting you in bad spots. Yeah, dude. come on, man. You're, you're wrecking my feed, Pop. Listen, I'm trying to build the following. Your here. crappy takes are jacking up my feed, Pop. You're ruining the algorithm, Level Dad. Up, man. Exactly. Uh, you're jacking with the algorithms. That's actually funny. It, right? is, it is. But no, no. At, at every level whether it was as a player or now as a broadcaster. My foot did get in the door in this industry 100% because of my dad. I am never going to lie about that because it would be disrespectful to everybody else, people who might have lost out in an opportunity because of that. And all I could do, and this was the mindset, my dad's the son of a bricklayer. It was the mindset that got instilled in all of us, which is you go in and you show people how much you care by how you work. And that's always just been the goal. We're talking to Mike Gold Jr. I love that analogy. Now, your family is Notre Dame royalty. You, your dad, your Uncle Bob, all Irish alums. I'd love to get your thoughts on Sam Hartman. How good of a pro do you think he's going to be, and how deep is this quarterback class? It's a very deep class, and I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at, obviously, this Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is such a big headline. A guy who started 46 straight games to finish off his Iowa State career wasn't the most traitsy quarterback, and you hear so often in the NFL, we draft traits, not production. We're looking for what you're going to be, not what you've been. But for a quarterback like him, for a guy like Aiden O'Connell out here in Las Vegas, another guy, accomplished passer coming out of Purdue in college, wasn't the most traitsy guy but got on the field and all of a sudden was able to make things happen. I wondered if that would start to make teams go, hey, maybe as we get to the later rounds, yeah, we might not be able to justify this guy in the first three rounds, but all of a sudden you get a guy who's got so much veteran experience, who's going to come in with a high floor and be able to manage all the different machinations of an offense, manage all the attention that comes with being in this position and be able to weather the storm. And Sam would certainly be a guy that checks those boxes because he's seen and been a part of so much football. He's played at such a high level now in multiple offenses. And so I do think that's something that's going to be in a world where so many teams have built up these great rosters around the quarterback, something that might have more value going forward. Well, certainly Brock Purdy is the beneficiary of that. Like, I'm one of those guys, I'm on the side of Brock Purdy is a really good player. This guy is not just some kind of hack that they stuck in this great system. If that were the case, anybody could do it, and I don't think that everybody can do what he can do. So why don't you just weigh in on that tired argument? Are we talking about a system quarterback? Are we talking about a special player? Or maybe something in between? I think we're talking about a player who comes in with so much moxie and composure already. I think it's really been under talked about. How big about. is that? How big is that in a huddle and to get your veteran teammates respect? You Just the way it. you carry yourself. You saw it from Nick Bosa. That soundbite that went viral after the last game where Nick asked him, did you always believe you were going to be this good? Nick said, I was the number two overall pick and I had doubts. How are you this put together? I can tell you that absolutely emanated. When I was at Notre Dame, I was a fifth-year senior on a team that went 12-0, and and we had a redshirt freshman quarterback named Edford Golson who was there. And on the sideline, we would always talk about when Ev would come over to us in between series and address the O-line, he was always so calm. He was always so steady. 
And so it's like, all right, even though this guy's young, he's not phased by this moment. It's not too big for him. And so that goes, okay, we can calm down and just focus on what we have to do. We don't have to play above and beyond to offset this guy. And even though this roster's got so many great pieces around him, they all look at their quarterback and go, all right, he, he's going to be ready. He's going to be good and hold up his end. And so we don't have to press. Mike Gold Jr. is my guest live here in Vegas. Hey, Mike, if Nick Bosa had doubts, if Nick Bosa fought his confidence, what the hell kind of chance do any of us have? <laughs> I was going to say, if I looked like that, I <laughs> promise the last thing I would lack is confidence. The only thing I would lack is a shirt at any time. I, dude, I wouldn't even own a shirt. Wouldn't why, own why a bother? shirt. I'd have the shortest shorts imaginable. You'd see me walking out here in this freezing cold here birthday suit just letting everybody know so if you're right that's the ultimate reminder though of how incredibly mental this sport is this gladiator sport still comes down to so much of that space between your ears in order for these guys to be successful did you train that when you played i mean we know how big it is right now did you train that when you played in other words like would you go into the mental gym and work that muscle like you would any other gym and any other muscle oh yeah I, i mean back then sports psychology was a little bit more burgeoning at that point it wasn't quite as ubiquitous as it is now but we had a sports psychologist we worked with at notre dame the idea of mental reps for me a guy that was a backup for a lot of my time before i got to start in college an undrafted free agent trying to make rosters in the nfl so much of your time is hey i've got to be able to see this through what another guy's rep is looking like i've got to get mental reps out there i've got to train myself in the playbook in the film room so that when the opportunity's there i'm locked in enough to be able to go and execute physically even if i haven't gotten all of those same reps so yeah you have to work that especially if you're a guy that's trying to make use of limited opportunities to go out there and try and get results i mean that, that's the biggest challenge right you have to stay ready for something that may or may not happen but when it does happen you better be ready and you better execute because you might not get another chance 100 that's that was always the idea is when you're on the field, you're afraid that you're never going to get back on if you go off. And when you're off the field, you're constantly sitting around chomping at the bit, trying to make sure, all right, I've been dialed in and ready to go when this finally comes, when this is finally my time. Goes back to, again, the other feather in Brock Purdy's cap is being ready when that happened. Yeah, he's got all these guys around him, and it's a healthy environment to grow up in. You know, He's been ready for everything. He's been able to play freely because he's got guys that are going to be able to bail him out in certain spots but now you see the benefit of all that confidence look at the last two games down in the second half in a way the 49ers as constructed aren't supposed to be able to come back from right now and the quarterback who hadn't played well early in those games says all right i can turn it on now and isn't afraid to thread the needle across the middle of the field isn't afraid to throw back across his body to kyle juice in the middle of the field all of those things happen because you've got the right environment but still got a guy who was ready for the moment and confident enough in himself we are talking to mike gold jr for a couple more moments. So you were DraftKings. Break this down for me. The number seems to have settled at two for several days right now. I mean, do you like Patrick and the value, or are you going to lean towards laying those points because of all that explosiveness and talent the 49ers have? You and I were talking before. I have picked against Patrick Mahomes (laughs) and these Chiefs in the last two rounds. I did it against the Bills, thinking I was the smart guy. This was finally their year. I did it against the Ravens, thinking this defense, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. I'm not picking against him a third time. Patrick Mahomes is getting points. I'm going to take him here. And I think there's a lot of football reasons outside of just that narrative. A lot of the matchup with the defense in the way that I think we're finally catching up to respecting from Kansas City. I think the way that they've adjusted their personnel in the postseason on offense, battening down the hatches a little bit, multiple tight end sets, allowing them to take maybe fewer risks down the field overall, but maximize those opportunities more in the way we've seen with Travis Kelsey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with three of the biggest catches in the postseason the last two games. And so I think those against a 49ers defense that up front has had trouble stopping the run 
are enough for me to say, yeah, there's football on my side as well to make that pick. In fact, how big of an issue is that their run defense going into this game? Because that that has been an issue the last few games. Huge. And it's an area where really in the last couple of years, the Chiefs, their under center run game is something they've been more willing to lean into. That's a punch. And it's why now this Kansas City Chiefs team that's in dynasty territory, as we know, is starting to resemble the Brady Belichick Patriots because the hallmark of those teams was we can be whatever we need to be for the moment. And now this Kansas City Chiefs team that morphed from the greatest show on turf with Mahomes and Tyree Kill for so long is now with this ground and pound win with defense group that also still with two minutes left in the game will say, hey, Pat, you can go and throw it deep to ice this game because we also trust that portion too. So I think that run game is really going to be the difference for both teams. This could be a game where both sides decide we're going to try and hammer this ground game. Christian McCaffrey against the Chiefs defense that's also struggled with some of that up front. It's going to be good old-fashioned knockdown drag out football in a way that warms my offensive lineman heart. I love it. So really quickly, Thomas Dimitrov came on, and he's kind of an old-school guy. Love the guy. Love his basketball or his football mind. And he comes from the old school, though. And he said, initially, I just didn't understand the whole Taylor Swift thing. Like, distraction, distraction, <laughs> distraction. Dude, you're a younger guy, and it is what it is. Is this, I mean, does this bother you at all? Do you have any issue with it on any level? Oh, no, Jim. I'm a card-carrying Swifty, too. I went to three stops on the Eras Tour here. I was watching the Grammys last night where she set records. Now the uh, only artist in the history of the Grammys with four Album of the Year wins. So, no, to me, this has been a dream for the NFL. Oh, I know that's true, for sure. A dream for the NFL, but it's awesome. My whole thing has always been, I want more people around football who feel like they can be here. And a friend of mine, Nora Princiati, who does a great job writing for The Ringer and covering both the NFL and Taylor Swift there, said it. More people need to feel like they have a place in football that doesn't need to be so self-serious. It doesn't need to be so X's and O's. They don't need to be grinding tape. They can enjoy the parts that they want to enjoy, but still feel like they have a place at the table here. And I think that's something that this entire season has taught us. Hey, listen, one last thought. Andy Reid is the oldest of the old school. If he were to tell you honestly, what do you think that he thinks about the whole thing, or does he not care? I think Andy at this point doesn't care at all. He's been used to his quarterback being a massive star, his tight end and Travis Kelsey being a big personality. Yeah, but dude, as you know, she's a bigger star than any of them. 100%. The only people I think care, stadium security. All those people that now have a little bit of a different task on game day trying to smuggle her in and out of the stadium, they might care a little bit. Andy Reid's worried about what he's going to do with Nick Bosa and the rest of that 49ers defense. So last thought, what do you think he does? If they win this weekend, could you see him walking off and calling it a day at 65? Or could you flip that on his head and say, Man, why the hell would he leave? He's got Patrick Mahomes, who's 28. I I could see Andy continuing to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. And it'll be interesting because for us all in sports talk, what an interesting debate. There is going to be a life with Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid at some point, but they have a real chance to do some unprecedented stuff with the run they're on. I can't see him walking off the podium. Mike, unbelievable energy, tremendous content. Really appreciate you stopping by, man. You made it much better. Thank you very much. Really good to see you. Mike Golick Jr., I love that. Great content, great energy, and that picked us all up. I know it's good because even Dodgers Jano, my wife, hit me up on a text in the middle of the interview and said, quote, I love this guy's energy. <laughs> so you got there we the go. Dodger Jano Let's support. Go. Let's go.